uh, insider tip, don't drink a, like an 18 ounce smoothie at the beginning of like what will be an hour and a half podcast recording because you will be sitting in your chair needing to pee like a racehorse. And that is me right now. That could be a problem. Yeah. Cancer is boring with Jocelyn and Lauren coming to you live from the cyber cafe at my apartment <laughs> building. <laughs> Hoping nobody walks in on us while we're recording. That would be awkward. But if they do, I have a third mic and I say we try to bring them in and just be like commentary as needed, you know, th- like some kind of audience member. I love it. Okay, good. That'll be the plan then. <laughs> All right. So, today's episode is canceled, and we're going through our origin stories. Just a few stats on me, Jocelyn. Stage 2B, I think, right breast tumor. I had six rounds of TCHP chemo, followed by mastectomy, followed by radiation, Followed by two rounds of Herceptin. Well, no, no, no. Radiation and Herceptin happened at the same time. Two rounds of Herceptin before that Sentinel study came out about Cadsyla. So now I get Cadsyla. I have three more of the 14 infusions of that left. I just got Cadsyla number 11 today. And they were trying to not infuse me because my platelets are 57. But you're a boss. But I was like, you don't tell me what to do, doc. No, I need to get through the next three infusions on time because being me, I scheduled a Cancun trip (laughs) (laughs) to celebrate end of infusions. And it's like two weeks after my last infusion. So if this gets pushed, I mean, what would it even mean then? I'll be just sitting on the resort. You can still have plans. Yes. (laughs) It'll, I'll have to like rename the almost end of can confusion (laughs) the confusion of infusions cancun trip all inclusive i need to probably go on that trip with you oh really (laughs) you know um so this trip will be a discovery because the name of the place so we got i use a travel agent Mm -hmm. um named priya and she's great and that makes me sound really bougie but it's just it's free they just do it for you and, and they get like you know you're limited in it's like all-inclusive stuff that's part of, uh, they get like a kickback for it. When yeah. it's legal, it's not called a kickback. It's called like a commission or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very legal, I think. I don't know. I don't know what Priya does in her free time. She could be running some kind of racket, but <laughs> good for her. I mean, make that money. So she sent all these um, resorts, like review these resorts and see which one you want. And the one that just looked the best and was adult and all-inclusive is called Secrets. <laughs> it's... It's called what? So it's called Secrets. So I <laughs> I texted it to, to my husband and I was like, hey, this one looks the best. Like, here's the link. Like, tell me what you think. Should we book it? And he was like, Secrets? He's like, 
is this a swingers resort? Uh oh. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. It's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. Oh my So gosh. now every time we say where we're going, we have to whisper it to each other so that it's super creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Secrets abound on this infusion confusion trip <laughs> to Cancun. <laughs> anyway, pressing forward. Yes. Today we're going to talk about what happens when you find out you have breast cancer. Yes, what happens? Yeah, there's no variation. It's the same for everybody. So that's the, the good message here. Absolutely. Yeah. And immediately you find out and then you're like, oh, I understand. Thank you for that information. Mm-hmm. And then you're handed an attache uh, that says breast cancer, top secret. And you open it and it has like a step-by-step guide. It's color coded yes. uh, to everything that you can expect throughout your journey. Here's your start date. Here's your end date. Here's mm-hmm. when you can schedule your i'm cancer free vacation (laughs) um that's my vision for it someday someday when i'm running like a bougie you have breast cancer clinic (laughs) that's how i'm gonna manage this because we'll know enough in that someday i love it however that someday is not today no and so of course anyone who's ever had breast cancer or any other kind of cancer it is like an ongoing take it up the ass situation <laughs> and that is exactly what I experienced yes but and I took like two pages of notes so if it sounds like I'm reading some of this it's because I am <laughs> anyway let's hear it so allow me to set the stage okay can't wait okay bring it it's summer 2018 I am just basically nailing it in every area of my life so- I've got hair I'm working out like four to five times a week. We're talking yoga, spin class, bar. I've got some kickboxing in the rotation. Like I'm feeling pretty damn good, right? It's early August. It's still summer. Oh, I'm also feeling really good because the Saturday before that Sunday that I found that lump, Mm -hmm. that Saturday I fixed my car's air conditioner. Me and YouTube and AutoZone... $7 cartridge. So if you have a 2003 Honda Accord and your air conditioner smells kind of damp, like musty, the air comes out. It's like the fan works, everything works, but the AC doesn't work and the air coming out is not cold. It could be something very simple. It could be you just need to Google it. And there's this guy who's got a video and he's going to show you how to change your relay cartridge. And your relay cartridge is probably just super old and is not working anymore. So you can go to Advanced Auto Parts or AutoZone or one of those places. Get a relay cartridge for $7. Pop that hood. Get in that relay panel, which is like near the front to the right. You pop the lid. There's all these little like plug and play cartridges, like tiny little things. I love that you did this by yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, by myself. Me, I'm saying YouTube right. is marvelous. But switched out that cartridge, started that car, and my air conditioner worked. I was feeling so good. Living your best life. Living my best life. Being very, very cool. <laughs> So I'm feeling good. So it's Sunday and I'm doing my normal Sunday routine, which is big shower day. We're talking washing the hair, shaving the legs and pits, like moisturizing, exfoliating. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
self-tanner. Knock off the real iridescent sheen of my skin, <laughs> which is highly reflective as a surface. And nice. so is really actually a public safety issue <laughs> for anyone driving. So I'm doing the self-tanner and I notice on my right breast, there's like this. I didn't even feel it first. I saw it first. There's like a triangle like wedge of what looks like a sunburn, like on the lateral side, right by my nipple. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So, of course, I feel it. And I'm like, oh, hello. There you are. And it was like very obvious. Whoa. Like so obvious that I was like, how did I not find this before? Yeah. The thing is, two weeks previous, I had been to my OB-GYN. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had done a breast exam and the whole thing and found nothing. And I completely believe her wow. because there was nothing there. And I've been going to this woman, this provider. She's an advanced practice provider with my OB-GYN. And I always see her anyway. And I've been going to her for like five years. Like yeah. she knows me. She knows my boobs. <laughs> and like there was nothing there. I swear to God. Wow. Well, and for then, sure she would have yeah. said something if she noticed something. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Like. Totally. Like, I completely trust her. So, but there was nothing there. So I find this thing. And because, so all of this information, all of this information comes together in one moment that leads to the next, like, 40 to 72 hours of my complete and utter denial Mm -hmm. that anything is wrong. Oh. So, and it was like, all happened in a a second Uh where it was like, Okay, I was just at the OB-GYN. It wasn't there. Okay, I so I am a nurse. And eight years ago, when I got my nursing license, I moved to Texas. I got a job at one of the hospitals here, and I started in oncology. So within six months, I'm giving chemo to people. And I gave chemo for mm-hmm. four years. And I mean, like, big gun stuff, like right. hyper-CVAD, like Danarubicin, all the, the Red Devil, all the mean stuff, the stuff where people had to come in who don't have, like, care management Mm -hmm. and they you know something was like trying to a tumor was trying to actually exit their body like on their neck or their stomach or even their breast and so we gave big guns chemo to these poor patients right and so i i immediately knew that i couldn't get cancer because i give chemo oh I can't get chemo. No. I give chemo to you. Right. And you don't give chemo to me. (laughs) Right. Like I said, I break up with you. You don't break up with me. Like it was, and I was so, I was like a hundred percent confident in my mind. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, of course this is nothing. Right. So of course. So I didn't tell anybody. I didn't text my best friend. I didn't tell my husband. I finished myself, Tanner, got myself together. We went. And visited my family that night and had family game night, which sounds like, I'm just saying it casually, like it's a thing that always happens in my family. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's rare that right. we all get together and do like family game, game night. And really all it is is family drinking night sure. with maybe a game thrown in if I can convince everybody to play drinking a game, game because I do like a good game. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I like to win. So, but I'm like totally not worried about this. So mm-hmm. Monday morning I call my OB-GYN and I'm like, hey, found this thing, this cyst in my breast. Oh, I'm really worried it will have to drain it. Like my <laughs> worst fear on, on that Monday morning was they're going to stick a needle in my boob and have to drain this sucker. Oh, boo. Because needles, ew. 
<laughs> Again, I needle you. You don't yeah. needle me. No. So I get an appointment. And like by Monday afternoon, I'm breaking down a little bit in just my need to tell someone. Mm-hmm. But I know if I tell my husband, his mind, my husband always thinks he has cancer. Right. Like he just has, he gets a sore throat. It's probably cancer. Oh, no. He gets a cough. Oh, I want cancer. <laughs> And I'm always like, oh, my God, no, you don't. You're fine. And then he goes to the doctor and then he has pneumonia or something, which great. It's not cancer. But like I'm a nurse. I'm always downplaying his symptoms. So I like don't tell him Mm because he's going to just fixate on it and not sleep for days over nothing but a cyst. That's probably. Oh, here's another thing. I was like, oh, you know what? Two months ago, I bought this real cheap Victoria's Secret bra. Cause it was just cute. And I was out with, you know, my friend and I was like, Oh, I haven't bought a cute bra in a while. Just, and, and it was an underwire bra and I'd been wearing it a lot lately. And I was like, that bra, that cheap ass VS bra, oh, like no. it gave me assist. Like I had an explanation for everything. Wow. So I go, I, I text my best friend and I tell her, Hey, uh, weird. I have a cyst on my breast. And she's like, oh, no. And she's a nurse, too. We both started together. She's a chemo nurse as well, like works in oncology. And I was like, oh, how annoying. And she's like, yeah, that, oh, no, man. Oh, that stinks. I was like, I hope they don't have to drain it. She's like, yeah, me either. She doesn't say a thing to me like, well, are you sure it's not like serious? She just like toes the company line. Like she doesn't challenge my reality at all. And for that, I am forever grateful. Mm-hmm. So Tuesday morning. I go see my my provider and uh, like here are all the indicators where I should have known something was up because she walks in the room and she we're all we're pretty close talkers the two of us because like we just enjoy seeing each other once a year and catching up and she thinks like I'm cool or something and I think she's way cool like we're just two women who are like really into each other yeah and so we she'll stand pretty close to me so she we're just talking and she's like yeah let's look at this sucker like it wasn't there two weeks ago and I was like it absolutely was not so she feels me up and then she stands like feet away from me she like leans against the window which is the farthest point in the room that she could possibly be from me and her voice gets real high and she's like probably nothing yeah so like words 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 in a high pitch and like my body's getting warm and my palms are a little bit sweaty but I'm like yeah this is nothing she's saying it's nothing she's looking at me she's making eye contact with me everything is good she goes you know let's just like get you in for a mammogram just to be sure I'm sure it's nothing let's just be sure so she leaves the room and she comes back and she's like great news I can get you in for a mammogram tomorrow afternoon great she goes and you know what else let's just do a sonogram like let's just you know really see what we're looking at like is this something and I was like yeah because we might have to drain this cyst right and she's like yeah 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 like (laughs) oh my gosh not challenging feeding into that not challenging my sense of reality at all which again that is all to her credit because at that point there's no reason to talk me out of my hard deep rooted certainly there was no yeah you know definitive answer no reason at all and and that and i don't know like if anyone out there has ever tried to schedule a mammogram before Mm -hmm. but it is like weeks before you get into one of those things oh so the fact that she walked back in and was like tomorrow should also have been 
an indication. But you know what? Nah. Nah, I'm good. You thought she was just doing you a solid. Oh, yeah. Because we cool. Mm-hmm. So... I go to work the next day in the morning and I have breakfast with my friend slash colleague slash oncology nurse. And I'm like, yeah, I got to go get this mammogram. Oh, that's going to hurt. They're going to squish my boobs or whatever. You know, all the things you've ever heard about a mammogram when you're in your your mid thirties and you've right. never had one. Right. And she was like, yeah. Oh. And then I just, just to make sure that the universe understands how serious I am about that this better not be anything. And my firm belief, I start testing my luck and I start making jokes. Yeah. Oh, this is a good place to just say that like in general, I'm not a great person sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, yeah, that'll be solidified just throughout our experience together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not a great person. I am a pretty good person, but not a great person. So I'm joking about like, you know what? I really don't have time to have breast cancer right now. Like I've got a lot of things going on. And I told her, I said, you know, it's just a really bad time for me to become a national spokesperson for breast cancer. Right. You know, I mean, mm. maybe even international spokesperson. Kind of inconveniencing yeah. you. Yeah. It's really inconvenient. I got a lot of irons in the fire. I got like a lot of stuff going on. So I can't really oh, take that on right now. And then we're like, ah, <laughs> breast cancer is funny. So I leave work and I go to this mammogram and this, um, I drive myself, by the way. Like, I'm really confident. Right. I just drive there and I know we're going to do this thing and they're going to be like, ah, you're fine. And then I will drive home and I will yeah. continue my life as usual. Like, I, I'm firm on that. So I show up and I get this nurse who I know for a fact has been mammogramming people for probably 25 years. Gotcha. Like I, in her entire demeanor, it says to me, like, I know what I'm doing and this is going to be an in and out thing mm-hmm. and we're going to do it quick, which I love. That's my favorite kind. Me too. So I get in there and I get changed and she brings me in and we're squishing away. And then she's like, all right, I'm going to go show this to the radiologist and see if he wants anything else. So she leaves and I'm like, okay, feeling fine like she didn't seem to be impressed by this at all so she comes back and she's like um yeah you know what the radiologist he just wants a few more pictures is that okay and I'm like whoa that's the first time she's asked me like this is the first time that uh, she's been asking for my consent for anything she's done to me which is like manhandling and shoving and pulling right she's awesome by the way I love her so, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, sure, like, whatever you guys need. And she's like, okay, let's, let's go. All right, so we'll just try this again. Okay, good job. I'm like, whoa. She's, she's like, all nice. right, honey, you just stay right there. I'm like, she called you honey. Fuck. <laughs> she got nice. Oh, no. So looking back, I know this is the moment, but, like, again, I start getting warm. My palms are getting sweaty. And then I just... She's like, we're done with that part. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? I can feel my heart rate going up. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to go just check with the radiologist one more time. And she leaves. And I'm like, am I going to cry right now? Like, what is, what is going on? So she comes back and she's like, all right, we're all done. You did a great job, you know, honey. <laughs> she congratulated you. I know. Oh, so no. then I go to the waiting room. Then the lady for the sonogram calls me. I should, God, I need to be more. 
the technician for the sonogram calls me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is also not too nice, which is perfect. Because if anyone had smiled at me at this point, I would have broken down in tears and then been very confused as to why. Mm-hmm. Because again, my denial is strong. Okay. It is a superpower with this one. <laughs> I was like... I was channeling that the whole time. So we get in there and the whole time I'm laying there, she's doing the sonogram, poking around on me. And I'm just like, I don't even know. Like my mind is blank, completely blank. Then we do the sonogram and they send me, uh, they're like, okay, you can get changed and then just kind of wait in the waiting room and we'll let you know about next steps. You're like next steps. Yeah. Didn't even register that. So I get changed. I was wearing, by the way, this is just an aside, but. I was wearing these wide leg uh, pleated trousers in red, like red, red. And then I had a kind of like a baby blue button up, Mm -hmm. like cardigan sweater that I was wearing as a top. And I just want to say that that was a, that was a good choice. Like I looked, I looked good. I just (laughs) want to put that out there. (laughs) That day I was just like, nailed it. Yeah. So sitting in the waiting room and I pass, I pass this, the mammogram nurse, the original person mm-hmm. on the way. And without making eye contact with me, she says, good luck. And just continues on her way. Good luck with what? I don't know. Oh, she was just no. like, good luck. And just like, and I was like, okay. And so I go and I sit and I wait in the waiting room. And then, so you know, all signs point to like, this is pretty serious. Mm-hmm. And yet outside of an overwhelming feeling that I'm going to start bawling at any moment. Right. I'm still absolutely convinced. Like all of this is just random and it's fine and whatever. Wow. So I sit down and then this woman in a pencil skirt and a, and a blazer fitted to perfection, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, which I had a moment to like assess as she leads me to down a set of hallways and then into this windowless room that has a couch and a table and then a a little desk and chair and, and, and computer monitor. And she sits me down and she introduces herself and she's very kind and very professional. And she says, and now I'm going to go get the radiologist and I'll be right back. And then she leaves me alone in the room and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, this is, wow, what a professional little, like, business they got going here. Like, this is really top-shelf service for someone with a breast cyst, you know? Right. And I was like, maybe, because, you know, I'm looking around this place. Everyone is in, is, it appears to be older than I Mm -hmm. by a significant number of years. And so I'm like, ah, maybe it's because I'm young and they, like, want to just be, I don't know. I came up with excuses that now... I recognize are so ridiculous that I can't even fully remember them because my logic stops me from like going down any of the paths that would have made them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't even get there anymore. But the radiologist comes in and he sits down and he very clearly, I don't remember the words because it was just like blah, 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 cancer, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) But he made it very, very clear. He made it very clear. And then he stops talking and they're both looking at me and I'm like, oh, oh, shit. Uh, say something. Say something. Because I didn't hear a thing he said. Oh. And I said, OK. Um, I said, I guess uh, my question 
would be like on a scale like how bad is this like on a on a scale from like this is nothing this is probably just like a a cyst or whatever to all the way to oh you know like this is really bad like i'm a medical professional i can't even say cancer i'm like to to like really bad where are we on this spectrum and to his credit he gave me this like are you serious look like he kind of looked at me like are you dumb or something and then he very quickly pulled it back and he goes um well i guess all i can say is I would be very surprised if this wasn't cancer. Oh. And I was like, oh. And then when, I don't know why he had to say it. He just had to be so obvious about it. And then I realized what was going on. Oh, wow. And then I started crying. And I was like, God damn it. Because, you know, I immediately don't want to be the crier, which is a messed up thing. You know, like cry god damn it anybody it's okay to cry anybody at any time just cry there's yes. nothing wrong with it there's nope. no shame in it Mm-mm. i think i just it's probably better to do it yeah i think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that mm-hmm. people who hold it in have issues later on yeah <laughs> i would count myself in just those numbers. let it out just let it out so it came out and then the radiologist being the consummate professional that all radiologists are, which is that they live in a dark room and their human mm-hmm. interactions are quite taxing on them. Right. He just kind of hands me a piece of paper and he's like, uh, can you sign this? And it just says that I've given you uh, your results and then I'll see you tomorrow for your, uh, <laughs> or like, we'll see you tomorrow for your biopsy. And I, and I just signed it and like, and then he left the room very quickly. And then Whoa, the, they scheduled for a biopsy right after. Like, yeah. The next you day. Had mammogram, sonogram. Mm-hmm. biopsy boom, boom oh yeah boom boom boom, wow. boom boom yeah in a way this was incredibly efficient no and kidding yeah hey that's the way healthcare is supposed to work man exactly that's pretty impressive exactly i either have stupid good insurance which is possible because <laughs> i've i mean that's been pretty good this whole time um privilege just mention that uh or somehow they like I don't know if someone called them and was like, hey, she's a nurse with a hospital that we contract with. She's a VIP. If anyone did that, I have no idea who that was, but thank you, I guess. <laughs> and also, uh, it shouldn't take that. Anyway, that's a whole conversation. But then the administrator of unknown role, I guess, proceeded to take me through a PowerPoint presentation about my breast biopsy and the clips that they were going to leave in me uh, during this procedure. And I'm crying, but one thing I do remember, and I remember laughing through, like I'm crying, but then I remember laughing, is she looks at me in all seriousness and she goes, and these clips do not contain any software technology that could be used to track your whereabouts. (laughs) And I was like... Wait, what? Like that was even a question of yours at that moment. (laughs) I was like, I stopped and I go, wait, what? I just found out I had breast cancer. And now you're telling me that I should be concerned about being tracked by the government. I go, people ask you that, don't they? And she said, yes, they do. Wow. Yes. People will refuse to get these clips. They're not even metal. You know, they're like some medical grade plastic or something like that. 
and they're just markers, you know, right. like they're going to mark the tumor and mark the lymph node. Cause I, they were going to do both biopsies yeah. and, but apparently there are people who refuse to have these clips placed in them because they believe firmly that people like, you know, the air quotes, people, the general, probably the yes. government, I would imagine okay. can use it to track them in some way in your boob, in your boob. All right. I mean, what better place to put it? I mean, I got nothing to hide, so I guess, mm -hmm. mm. I mean, if I was having surgery, couldn't they install something else while I was out well, anyway? <laughs> so no, no, just these clips. Right. Yeah. That's the only thing that does it. <laughs> Not this big reservoir in your chest that like almost looks like you could answer it like a phone, which is what I'm going to do the next time I find someone just kind of looking at it, trying to figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to very casually. Okay. I say I'm going to do this, but I haven't been able to work up like the nerve to do it yet. But I swear to God, before the thing comes out, if I catch someone just casually looking at it, I'm going to answer it like a phone. I'm just going to go, Hey, it's Jocelyn. Hey, what's up? And like, I have a full conversation with my fork. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that will be very funny to me. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. So, I got the PowerPoint presentation, and it was thorough, and there were pictures, uh, and it was good. That I had a so full understanding. Mm-hmm. So, and then they're like, okay, now you can go. And I was like, go. Go where? Where? Yeah. How? Go how? But I gather my things, and I wipe my eyes and I'm like, okay, well, thank you. And I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. And then I go out and I sign some things. I don't know. I did some things and then I got to my car. Right. And I just sat in my car and I cried until I could stop enough that I could drive and yeah. have like a visual. Yeah. I think that any woman that has ever gotten a breast cancer diagnosis has had that moment where you just lose it yeah and really it can be at any time <laughs> it can you know even be at different phases but there's a lot of that there's Definitely gotta be a lot of that i know there's been a lot of that for me no and not you're right at different phases like at times where you are fine and something happens and then you're bawling and you're like what the hell oh yeah so yeah but this was a very appropriate time to, to cry. And I was doing it, which me and my therapist were both very proud of me for. <laughs> so I drive home. I haven't texted anybody. I haven't told anybody. Like, I haven't figured out like, because there's no life class where they walk you through the sequence of events that should follow. Again, where's the attache? Where's the, the like section on here's who you tell and when you tell them and how you tell them. Oh, yeah. Like, here's a calendar for you. Right. That yeah. would have been helpful. But I didn't know anything. I knew I had to tell my husband, you know, because that's the thing that you do. Right. Plus, I do like him a lot. Hope Some so. might even say I love him. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe. Mm -hmm. We'll see. But, <laughs> you know, I know that's the appropriate thing to do. Yeah. So I go home and there's a sign on my door. About because my air conditioner in my house, which I cannot fix, I can fix the AC in my car, but the AC in my apartment had gone out. Ugh. Yeah. So I walk in and there's a guy installing this huge stand up unit. I walk in. I'm crying. We look at each other. I'm like, I can't tell you first 
So I have no explanation for him. I'm like, um, oh, I'm so sorry. I will let you uh, continue to, I'm just gonna, and I don't put even a sentence together and I just walk out of my apartment and I close the door and I'm like, uh, where, I need to cry more. So I'm oh, like, no. okay. So I walk to the, the coffee shop that we have near us that is a very cool local place that has since been turned into a very cool, like, you know, like cool, trendy, like bar slash bakery slash deli slash it's great. It's fine. It's just not what it was. Gotcha. But at this point, it still was what it was. Mm-hmm. And it's a place that we'd been going to for like seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so everyone who works there knows me, but it was just the most comfortable place I could think of within walking distance because I couldn't drive anymore because I can't see anything. So I text Sean on my way and I'm like, hey, if you can leave work now, that would be good. And I just like send him some some vagueish message like that. And he immediately because, OK, at this point I had told him. Right. About like the lump. Yeah. About the cyst. Oh, that needed that, to be drained. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it a lump. Are you kidding me? Right. No, no, no. Lump is a gateway to breast cancer. cancer. So there's no way I was going down that path. Mm-hmm. I told him I had a cyst that my OB-GYN provider and myself both thought was nothing. And that I was going to go get a mammogram and a sonogram. And he was like, let me take you. And I was like, eh, go to work. It's fine. You know, you should go to work because you're saving your PTO because we have a two-week European trip planned in a month and a half, Mm -hmm. in a couple months, that you're going to want your PTO for. So I made him go to work because, of course, I'm still going to Europe. Of course, I'm still going to Edinburgh and London. Mm -hmm. This trip I've been planning for like 10 months and I have a spreadsheet. I have several spreadsheets. So clearly that's happening and no breast cyst is going to stop us now. Anyway, I text him and he shows up at the coffee shop and I proceed to explain to him that my cyst <laughs> is probably breast cancer. So we're crying. Oh no. And the women behind the counter are trying to act cuz it's hot as hell outside so we're inside. The women behind the counter are trying to act like they're not listening to us, but they are and I guarantee you they thought we were breaking up. Oh, yeah. After like 13 years of marriage. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did you go inside and it, say, no, 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 we're fine. I just have cancer. Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Okay, I wish I would thought of that. But I can't tell them. I have to tell my best friend next. That's the thing is like, oh. you can't just go telling people. There's people you already don't know and have no relationship with who know. This administrator yeah the the mammography nurse whatever their official title is maybe mammography technician mammography registered nurse technician i don't know i don't the radiologist yes i mean he knows and it's official because i signed a paper that says he knows so Mm -hmm. i tell him and i tell him he'll have to take off work tomorrow to take me to this biopsy because i wasn't foolish enough to think you know that I could just drive home after that. They actually told me you cannot drive home after that. Like, because you can't move your. That's your crazy. Cause I did. You did. Yeah. You drove home after your biopsy. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, we need more information on that. Am I done? Am I done with this? No. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. Look, that was it. I had the biopsy. They put the the GPS clips in me. Um, <laughs> so now I think I'm owned by the government. They're after you right now, by yeah. the way. The only thing is, like, occasionally I, I lose three to five hours of my day and I can't remember where I was. <laughs> and I wake up and I'm like, ah, in a strange place or like driving someone else's car. It's not a big deal. It's mm-hmm. just one of the side effects of having a government tracker in you. <laughs> and that's just standard care for when you get breast cancer. Mm. But, um, yeah. So that's how you find out someone in a pencil skirt and a blazer brings a stranger into your room and you sign a paper and they tell you, yeah, you probably have cancer. You need to have several needles shoved in you now. (laughs) Yeah. So there's that. End of story. End of story. And Mm then dot, dot, dot. Right. Okay. So, uh, Please walk me through the sequence of events that leads you to going to driving yourself to your own biopsy. Absolutely. So a little back history <laughs> on me. I am I work in a hospital, but I'm not a healthcare worker and I work in finance and I was also uh, not ever that person that thought, um, oh, I have a headache. I must have brain cancer or um, I was cancer just doesn't run in my family at all. Um, most of my family, both on my mom and my dad's side, um, they die from heart disease or heart failure or heart attacks or something like that. Definitely not cancer. Yeah. Most certainly the last thing that would ever be on my mind. Um, and I have two children and all of this started from when I had a, I had a fibroid in my uterus that I was aware of. I had it throughout my last pregnancy. I gave birth in 2013 to a beautiful little boy, Mm -hmm. but we knew that the fibroid was there. My OB had talked to me about eventually having that removed because it probably wasn't going to go away. Um, He said eventually I'd probably need the hysterectomy. I said, okay, but eventually that certainly didn't mean, you know, 2014 or 2015 even, but, um, the fibroid never got smaller. It just continued to grow. And um, during this time, I also noticed, uh, and this was probably a year, I, so I breastfed my son, my last son, till he was one. So it was 2014, um, May, is his birthday, and we called it quits because he had too many teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, just um, as an aside, I have no children. Mm-hmm. And subsequently, have never breastfed anyone. <laughs> uh, but I, so I see this, and I'll say from a family member that I have, and no judgment. Like you get to breastfeed your kids as long as you want because they're your kids. But like, when they're like three, and they got a full set of teeth, mm-hmm. and they can articulate in a sentence mm-hmm. that that's what they want. Yeah. As a as a non-breeder, as a non-breastfeeder, I'll be honest, it weirds me out. <laughs> like, go for it. You you do it. But that's scary. Uh, understood. <laughs> to each his own. Um, so I had, uh, again, it had been um, over a year. It was probably going on two years since I'd stopped breastfeeding. 
and um and I noticed that I was uh, for me it was um my ultimate diagnosis was um her two stage 2b breast cancer right breast um I had four tumors and um wait you were triple positive right uh no I don't think I was triple positive you weren't Mm -mm. oh I thought you were wait you're having me questioning my own diagnosis. Sorry. That's all I right. Should have, we should have reviewed the attache before we recorded. Totally. Okay. I'll go back and look. I was triple positive, and I just know that because now I have to be in menopause. Yes. Uh, me too. Okay. So probably. Maybe. Um, so to make this advance, because this was a sort of drawn-out case for me, so I uh, got a second opinion for the hysterectomy thing because my abdomen started to protrude because the fibroid that was growing in my belly started to look like a small baby. <laughs> right. And then during this time, I also noticed a very like um, almost clear, sometimes a little bit milky substance coming out of my right breast. And... Um, which is not super unusual for a mom. Um, and my OB said, this is probably due to the extra hormones going through your body because how large that fibroid is. And um, so I went to the second opinion and he said, you need to have that removed. It's becoming so large. We can't do it laparoscopically. So I had to have the hysterectomy. I had to have a full the invasive hysterectomy. Um, although I did, they did leave my ovaries. So it was partial. I say full, but I really meant partial. Okay. But the big part came out. Yes. Um, that's what we call it, by the way, um, in medicine of the little parts tech, you know, lay people would call them ovaries and mm -hmm. then the big part, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, of course people in finance would call uterus or, yes. you know, whatever, <laughs> just to let you know. Yes. <laughs> so, um, we scheduled the hysterectomy for November, um, of 2016, right before Thanksgiving. And so I went ahead and I had that and I stayed in the hospital where I work and my OB had told me, um, this, sh this whole thing with your breasts should clear up post hysterectomy because that'll remove a large amount of the hormones that you're experiencing and it will really reduce, you know, all of these other symptoms that you're feeling. I said, so they okay. thought the, the fibroid was doing it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, also, mind you, prior to the hysterectomy, I did have a mammogram and a breast ultrasound, which both cleared. Even though I had this weird milky white substance coming out of my right breast, um, but it did kind of look like breast milk, and it wasn't alarming. My breast was not red or bleeding or anything weird. So, um, and it wasn't a lot of liquid. It was very small and every once in a while. So it wasn't really something that I was completely alarmed by. Now, if I hadn't had children and I didn't breastfeed, then I may be alarmed by something of that. 
So um, post-hysterectomy, I, the four weeks went by. I went for my post-op, and I said, hey, this thing is still happening. And my doc says, you know, it's probably okay, but we can order an MRI if you want. And I said, mm, I don't know. And I just thought, I'm probably overreacting, so I just didn't do anything about it. So wait, this is over the phone? No, this is in person. In person. And he's yes. like, yeah, it's nothing. Do you?" And he offers you an, an MRI. MRI. He said, if you, if you want to, if you really feel like this is something you know, you're concerned about, we can do an MRI if you want. And I sort of was felt like I was overreacting. And I thought, you know, I'm not, that's really not my personality anyways. And he's right. It'll probably clear up. Which by the way, this is totally a thing in medicine. Providers in medicine, for whatever reason, have this implicit bias about women that they overreact mm-hmm. and that they exaggerate their symptoms. Mm-hmm. And but mind you, I did have a mammogram and I did have a breast ultrasound that were both clear. True. So from his perspective, he thought that, I mean, I could see where he was thinking this could, this is probably nothing, but if I was continuing to be concerned that I should you know, come back or call him and let him know if I want to have that done. Well, this OB actually is, um, works in the hospital that I work at and I would go, um, round on the third floor where our labor and delivery unit is. Mm -hmm. And I'd see him up there on occasion. And one day I finally, this is probably months later. I finally thought to myself, something is wrong. And I saw him in the hall and I said, Hey, can I take you up on that MRI offer? And he was like, yeah, sure. Just call my office, you know, and we can get you in. And the nice thing about working at the hospital is that he literally sent over my order and I got the MRI the next day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this is why the both of us, it was so accelerated. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. Okay. So I'm wondering if you hadn't run into him in the hall, mm-hmm. do you think you ever would have called like taken that extra step? Like I haven't seen this person since they told me it was nothing. Mm-hmm. They offered me a, an MRI as though it were like a side dish to my burger. Like, would you like fries with that? <laughs> and then you see him in the hall, but would you have like, do you think made a phone call? Um, I kind of sought him out a little bit. I kind of did extra rounding okay. on that floor to sort of like bump into him on purpose. Cause I wanted to see, you know, the look on his face when I asked him if he thought like, you know, how he felt about my request. So long story short, I had the MRI and, um, the MRI technician, she was very nice through the whole thing. Um, so I didn't really get that, like, you know, very standard and everything at first. And then all of a sudden they were really nice to you. Um, 
I, I didn't have that experience. You didn't get that? <laughs> no. They were just mean to you the whole time? <laughs> no. She <laughs> was nice. She was very nice the whole time. But I also, um, the next day, I went and got my own read report. And the next day, I'm, I'll never forget because I'm walking away from medical records department and I'm looking at this piece of paper and I'm reading it. And it's like, you know, there are some questionable on this breast. There's, you know, this percentage of the breast looks to be, there's a question here. And my BIRAD score was a four. Wait, your what score? BIRAD. So yeah, I don't even know what that is. And I had to figure out what that was as well. So there's a BIRAD score apparently that they radiologists use. And um, one being, I, I think it actually starts at zero. I'll have to verify that. But um, zero being, you know, nothing. It's clear. There's nothing there. And six being known malignancy. Oh, no. And I was a four on that. And I thought, huh, well, that's kind of weird. And, um, of course I work in a hospital, so I showed it to some of my medical friends and said, Hey, uh, (laughs) (laughs) what would you think if this was yours? This is like the equivalent of people Googling their results on anything Mm -hmm. and then going and showing it to their friends who may know someone Mm -hmm. who is a nurse or a physician or a pharmacist or a patient care technician. And I... It warms my heart that we all do this because mm-hmm. even as a nurse, I absolutely Google shit oh, yeah. and I absolutely text that shit to my friends yeah. who may or may not also be nurses. And I'm right. like, what is this? Yeah. I knew that I would receive a call from my OB eventually, but I knew that I needed a biopsy because why would my BIRAD score be a four? And what is this thing that they are mentioning in this report? that's in my right breast and you know because of the consistency of I'm still there's this you know liquid that's still coming out of my breast and and I did start to notice the top part of my nipple sort of like indent a smidge Uh. it was a smidge it was it's weird because I think it was so minor I was like am I am I seeing this? Am I not like, is this something that I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. So, um, there's a general surgeon that I really like and she, um, her office is attached to the hospital where I work. And, uh, I had my BIRAD document from my MRI and I literally walked it to her office (laughs) and (laughs) so I went to the lady behind the desk and of course they know me because you know I help them with their their you know surgery cases and scheduling and finance and all of that yeah just take it to their office hey are you in can you tell me if I have cancer so I took it in and I just said I need a biopsy can ex-physician who is a general surgeon who um, I like very much, can she order this for me? And they said, okay, well, we'll give this to her and we will definitely um, get that ordered for you. So um, I walked away feeling like, okay, I'm going to have a biopsy. 
And honestly, I, at that point, I don't know. My gut was saying, Ooh, this could be cancer. But at the same time, I was trying to find some sort of documentation via any way I could that breast nipple discharge could be cancer. I've never heard it. And there was not a lot of markers. Um, I really tried to look. Honestly, the most reputable site that I found was American Cancer Society because I figured if, if any Agreed. website I'm going to read from, it probably yeah. should be the experts on cancer, which I would assume is the American Cancer Society. So I went on their website and it there just wasn't a lot of literature on it. So I, I thought, okay, well, you know... Um, I had to have an MRI guided biopsy because my cancer was only visible through MRI because like I said, the mammogram, the breast ultrasound all were clear. It was only the MRI that showed up that I had something there. So I went and I had to go to a place that's outside of the facility where I work because we at that time didn't offer that service. MRI guided biopsy. Okay, right. So I went to a place where the lady that you got was an MRI guided biopsy. Yes, so that is a trip, man. I think mine was an ultrasound guided biopsy. That is the norm. The MRI. Yeah, guided you got a like a major biopsy. Totally. Okay. And I drove home after that. By the way. By yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, we're getting there. We're getting to like the cliffhanger, uh-huh. the big reveal. Exactly. Those are two different things. So I drove Ignore my me. butt there and the nurse that was there that was helping me, she was telling me all about these clips and she's like, I have three of them and it's no big deal. Aww. People have these all the time and most of the time they're, it's nothing. And she was just like super sweet to me. She's a cat lady. She has like a hundred cats. She fosters cats too. She was a self-identified cat lady. Totally. And S- and she didn't tell you about the the government GPS tracking <laughs> you through the clips. No, but I wish she would have. See, she's working for them. I That's w- all she's I can probably say. working for yeah, the government. Probably. And all of her cats are spies. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, you know, she walked me through all of this. So an MRI guided biopsy for those of you who don't know what that looks like is you, anytime you're on a breast MRI, you are face down in the MRI machine and your breast is in this like pocket sort of thing. Um, and if you're having both breasts done, there's two pockets on either side (laughs) and you lay face down with your arms above your head. And of course, in an MRI machine, you must stay very, very still. So what they do is you lay on your stomach, your arms are above your head. Now this time they had identified that it was my right breast. So my right breast was in the pocket thing. And they push you in the MRI machine and then they pull you out. And then they push you back in the MRI machine and they pull you out. And then they push this grid um, with all these holes on it on your breast. And the holes are for all of the needles oh my God. <laughs> that they're going to use. And of course it has to be a bunch of holes because you may need a biopsy in different places. So of course they 
identify the spot that they need to use and then they insert the biopsy tool the hollow needle oh they call it a biopsy tool Mm -hmm. oh that's cute Mm -hmm. how sweaty are your palms at this point um well i'm shaking okay because at this point my hands i'm freezing because you're in an mri room right Mm mm-hmm and my hands are above my head and they're shaking. And I'm thinking to myself, don't shake because then this won't work. <laughs> and I certainly do not want to have to do this again. So, um, yeah. And, and there was a lot of people in the room. A lot. It was, it, I, there had to have been at least, um, the radiologist was there. And then there was at least four technicians in there as well. Really? Mm-hmm. And they were all very kind to me, of course. But they were n- nice from the start. Um, so I also didn't have that, you know, experience um, where they were extra nice. <laughs> but I okay. do think that that is a theme of healthcare workers when they do see something and they kind of have that oh shit moment yeah. where this patient has something serious and they don't know it yet. And now I feel the need to be very kind to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think especially in like a, a, the screening environment, mm-hmm. like if you think about that mammogram nurse whose name I know, I'm just not going to call her out mm-hmm. and she's lovely and I do enjoy her. Mm-hmm. But most of the women that come into that space, they're being screened and it's negative. Right. So you get, and I, I do it too. I've never worked in that environment, but like most of my patients, mm-hmm. they went through their course of treatment or their surgery. Cause I didn't just have oncology patients. You get all kinds of patients right. when you're working. I mean that unit and like they go through a certain course and you've seen it before and it goes exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But then one of them is going to just be surprising. Right. And then it kind of jars you almost on the inside and you do, you like, you shore up all your empathy and like kindness and you just want to give them everything because right. it's so, I mean, and we're young, mm-hmm. like 36 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm only 37 now, but it just seems like a world away. I was 36 as well. You were? I was. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So, right. There's like this sense of injustice about it. I think when you're young mm-hmm. where people feel like, well, this especially shouldn't be happening to you because you're young and you're very clearly healthy. Right. I mean, but really air quotes, healthy. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah. Can't figure that part out, but no. Anyway, you had a whole army. Was it dark in there or full lighting? No, it was full lighting. See, I had the full Grey's Anatomy experience. (sighs) I was just on a table and it was dark (gasps) and the actual doctor came in to do the whole thing. Wow. So yeah, it's quite glamorous there. For a little while. So after they did the biopsy, they remove the needle and they pull me off of the MRI. But I'm still face down and there's a lot of blood rushing to, you know, because I'm face down. And as I get up, my breast bleeds all over the... (laughs) And I... Of course, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I, I felt terrible that, that 
my blood was like <laughs> oh my god you're apologizing i know i don't know well, well i mean you know i mm-hmm. i understand mm-hmm. you know they have i mean there's a certain protocol when your patient bleeds all over the place that you have to clean up and and i'm also on the mri machine luckily it didn't bleed in the mri machine but i mean as i was getting out it was just everywhere um so <laughs> the same nurse um came with me that was initially with me that talked to me about the clip and everything the cat lady and she put pressure cat lady <sighs> she put cat lady oh she was so nice and she put pressure on my breast so i had this very lovely Aww. cat lady pushing on my boob very hard okay. for a good 15 minutes <laughs> and then i proceeded to do another mammogram to make sure that the clip was in the right place. So they just poked a hole in my boob <laughs> that was bleeding everywhere. And then they're going to squish it? They did it in a mammogram right afterwards, too, to make sure that the clip was in the right place. Wait, they did a mammogram to mm-hmm. see if the clip was in the right place? They did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that never. And, you know, I that feel never happened so, for me. so, so bad for those lovely individuals who have this clip procedure done. And it's in the wrong place because I could not even imagine signing up for that again immediately after. (laughs) No, there's no way. No. I'd like to think I would just walk out at that point. But if I'm being honest, Mm -hmm. you're for me, I was on autopilot. Mm -hmm. I would have done whatever. Okay. And now we have to take all your toenails off because... (laughs) That's just part of the tree. I'd be like, oh, God, okay, all right. I, I'm so sorry. I haven't gotten a pedicure in a while, so they're kind of janky, you know? Like, <laughs> I think I just would have done whatever they said. You're in like an, you're on autopilot. You are like, you've got several different pockets in your mind where different mm-hmm. emotions are going to, sh- to save till later, and you are highly susceptible to suggestion. Yes, for sure. So I, I uh, got in my little car. And I went and picked up my kids from my friend's house because she was watching them for me. Yes, I thought I was going to be done in time to get them from school. And during this whole process, as right before I went and got on the MR machine, um, the technician told me, oh, this is going to be a while. And I said, I need to make some phone calls to get my kids picked up from school. (laughs) So um, that's so I went to go get my kids and. Um, the sweet neighbor of mine that was watching them said, Oh, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'll be fine. It's really sore, but I'll be okay. I still don't know that I have cancer at this point. I had suspicions. Um, then I get the call from my surgeon's office and she wants me to come in to her office on a Friday at 3 p.m. This you know what they called me on a Friday afternoon too. This is when I knew the news was bad. Because in my head, if you're going to receive bad news, it's going to be at the end of your work week so that you can have the weekend to absorb all of this information. Mm. And it was literally the scheduler just said, oh yes, um, the physician would like to see you. Um, and here's your appointment. And she's hard to get into, by the way. So for her to say, come in Friday, 3 p.m., she's going to squeeze you in. And I thought, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I just... Like, 
retrospectively, of course, my gut. You identify it as like that's the moment I knew, but like my did gut you told me that this was most likely not good news. But my, and then my mother asked to go with me. Oh, mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said to my mom, that's probably a good idea. Because you, you had told your mom at this point. I mean, I did. And, and this was not really a secret because it had been going on for so long. I had this weird, you know, I had the hysterectomy issue. Oh, yeah, issue. you had the whole thing. So um, I went with my mother back to my surgeon's office that Friday and everyone at my surgeon's office was super nice. And I thought, Ooh, this is weird. Like way kinder than norm. There we go. I, I saw it then. Isn't it awful because it makes you feel like crying. It mm-hmm. makes me feel like crying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you experienced that or not, mm-hmm. but if they would just be gruff with me, if they would just be like, this is, <laughs> We give people, can- people cancer diagnoses all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, buck up, buttercup. Mm-hmm. I would have responded probably much more like, in my mind, mm-hmm. which this is probably, again, not something my therapist would identify as healthy behavior. <laughs> but I would have, like, been proud of myself. Like, I'm not crying right now. But they come at you with yeah. that face that they do. Yes. Where it's this like head tilt. Oh, there it and is. And then like they bring their little eyebrows together. Uh-huh. And, and then they the make big doe the eyes. puppy dog face, the doe eyes. Yes. Yeah. And they're just like, you, Aww. you dear. Oh. And you're just like, come here, sweetie. Yeah, exactly. Come on. And then in. you're done. You're done. You're mm-hmm. going to cry. There's, n- there's not anything in the world that can stop you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point. I was in my surgeon's office and she walks in and she very calmly tells me, okay, go ahead and undress from the waist up and I'm going to do a quick physical exam and then I'm going to go and get, uh, I'll leave the room and I'll come back and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about your results. What's this physical exam about? Okay, so here's the really weird thing. At this point, not one person took any of that liquid that was coming out of my breast and put it on a slide and looked at it. Now, I don't know how relevant that is because... No, that feels relevant. Nope, nobody had. I have been talking about this stuff that's coming out of my breast for several months and not one physician... And it didn't dawn on me until she did that. Oh, that's what she did. Th- mm-hmm. That's why she was having you undress and everything. Yes. Um, she, I, so my mom's with me and I lay down and she does a breast exam. She grabs a slide. She puts some of that liquid <laughs> coming out of my breast mm-hmm. on there. Just slaps it mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. Leaves the room. So it all kind of like, okay, well, obviously she's, she goes, okay, go ahead and get dressed. And I looked at my mother after I got dressed. We were sitting next to each other. And she and I didn't have to talk. She and I didn't have to say cancer. We both knew. My mom was kind of in... She was upset. You know, she was in pieces. Like, you don't... Your children don't get cancer. Not before you. Oh, yeah. Your children don't have that. And, Mm -hmm. um, And my surgeon walks back in and she has a pink plastic bag 
and she tells me that I have very early stage of breast cancer and and I immediately say I want a, a bilateral mastectomy I don't want to sit around and wait to see if I get cancer on the other side because of the amount of, um, I was diagnosed with DCIS, which is um, ductal carcinoma in situ. And they said it was a large portion of my breast that had it. And I figured, you know, since it's so much of my breast tissue, I don't want to risk, you know, getting it on the other side as well. It might just be a matter of time. So, and she is a surgeon who I knew treated very aggressively with this kind of, of cancer. So I was total game, ready for that. So um, from that point, it was scheduled. The, my mastectomy. The, the double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. And you knew right away that oh, you yeah. wanted. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a little envious of your... Um, like but I had a lot of cancer. Like, yeah. If you would have seen the image of my breast that was covered with cancer, it just, it was almost like the other side was in my head, a ticking time bomb for that to happen. So that wasn't even a thought or a question. Um, but that was my moment. And I had told my family that I was going to the doctor. I told my family that I was getting the results from this. So, and I told them when this appointment was. So I was getting text messages from my family asking, oh, not, yeah. I mean, my brothers, my, my mother-in-law, um, even my boss at that time was texting me, Hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? And Your I boss literally, knew? Mm-hmm. and even, well, I, I guess you worked at the hospital. Mm-hmm. It, that's really hard to not, oh, especially yeah. you're getting treatment at the hospital. So mm-hmm. I had the, again, the privilege of anonymity where I could go anywhere. And to he get and I are really at. close. We're good friends. So, um, you know, it wasn't, um, I mean, I, I was not embarrassed or afraid to, to say what was going on and why I needed to be off of work for this or that. Um, and I literally text back, I have breast cancer and I probably, I sent it in a text. I couldn't say it out loud. I only said it out loud to my husband and I could, and that was, I could not say it out loud at that moment. And my phone was blowing up. Yeah. Like I can't, I mean, you got me on efficiency right there. I just, I just said it because that's how I am. I'm very forward with, I'm just very forward with, you know, somebody asks me something, I'm just going to tell you, (laughs) (laughs) just telling you, this is, this is it. This is how it is. Yeah. I'd say that's optimal. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly didn't receive a text back. I'm sure it, it took a while for people to respond to that. Yeah, what do you? you know, Cuz like, like there's no gif or emoji no. that covers that. Good for them for not responding actually. It was um good it, for them. It was certainly some time before I got like a a response like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Please let me know if there's something." And I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. It wasn't something that I was like telling others like don't feel sorry for me um 
that's that's not where I was going with that. Yeah. But that was it. That's where I, that's where my journey started. Mm. Well, not quite the five day (laughs) journey I had. I didn't get called into an office. I got called on that Friday afternoon by my APP who told me she was shocked and she told me I'm shocked. She's like, your results came back positive for breast cancer. She said, I've never, and her voice, I felt bad for her telling me because she said, I've, I've never had one of these come back positive. Oh man. She said, never, you're my first one and then there was like a pause like me apologizing for bleeding on the MRI machine yes exactly she was apologizing for bleeding on my MRI table and then she was like I just don't understand oh and I was like it's okay it happens you know like like and then we like go into this weird like role again we like each other a lot and she was just like but but you're young and you're fit and you're and you're just you're funny and like she went and started going and I was like oh I said yeah I said yeah it's not it's not fair no it's not fair it's not fair it's not fair but breast cancer doesn't care um whether it's fair or not or if you're old or young or fit or healthy um yeah or if you have it in your family history or if you don't uh, it just needs the right, I don't know, I guess the right dynamic. Mm-hmm. My my personification of cancer, like, runs the gamut. Sometimes I'm on the whole, like, it as an entity outside of myself that is evil and doing something to me and I must fight it. And then other times I feel as though, and this feels more accurate to me like it's just a part of me and it's just some cells that mutated accidentally uh-huh. and they're like oh shit <laughs> oh Whoopsie. no okay uh, I understand you have to cut me out of your life now <laughs> I understand this is a toxic relationship and I get it and uh, I'm not apologizing it's just what I do you know it's it's what I do right what's that one story about uh it doesn't matter. Something about a frog and a scorpion, right? Have you ever heard this uh, old story or what? Or it's like it's got to be an Aesop's fable or something like that that I was read uh-huh. when I was a kid. And we don't have time to get into all the things I was read as a kid, but I remember <laughs> this. And it was a scorpion, and it's got to get across this river or a pond or what, some body of water. And it convinces this frog to give it a ride on its back, and it's like. I promise. And the frog's like, no, you're going to sting me. And and the scorpion's like, no, I'm not. I promise. Like, we're cool. We're friends now. We've been talking, you know, we hang out. We're good. (laughs) Like, just give me a ride, dude. And and the frog's finally like, all right, you're right. Yeah, I'm going to give you a ride. And so he gives him a ride. And then uh, he gets the scorpion to the other side. And the scorpion immediately stings him. And the frog is like, I thought we were friends. You said you weren't going to do this to me. You said that if I took you across, it would be okay. Why did you do that? And the scorpion's like, I'm a scorpion. It's what I do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So sometimes I just feel like these cells are just like, we mutate. That's what we do. Right. And they're not apologizing, but they also have to go. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it depends on how angry I'm feeling in the moment, whether or not 
Right. I'm viewing it as an enemy, but just that viewing it as an enemy Mm -hmm. and the whole language around fighting cancer. Right. Sometimes I don't feel like it, I don't relate to it as much or it doesn't really serve me in this period that I'm going through. I understand. I don't necessarily feel like it is a fight. Um, but I, it is a struggle. It's Mm -hmm. definitely a struggle. The struggle is real. Yeah. I can't even overemphasize that. Yeah. At all. For sure. We should get into this. This is like a whole other thing. (laughs) If we don't have this already mapped out, we're going to do it. Yes. I love it. Okay. Parting thoughts. Ooh, beating cancer with nutrition. Oh, I love that. Oh, okay. Here, I found something. Carotenoids. Yeah. Carotenoids are green plants, and they create sugars by capturing the sun's energy in a process called photosynthesis. God, this book is just full of, oh, amazing tidbits. I wish you guys could see the cover. It is like a 90s rendering of a DNA strand, highly simplified double helix, with vegetables strewn throughout. (laughs) And it's got the author's picture on it because, I mean, if there's anything you've ever wanted, it's to see a picture on the front of your author. And also comes with an audio CD, which, yes, is still contained within the book. So I think carotenoids, because they're found in green and orange fruits and vegetables, are good. And... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Both? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nuclear reactor. So now carotenoids are part of, I guess, nuclear energy. Interesting. Uh, they absorb dangerous unpaired electrons, so that's great. Um, so these substances have a potential in stimulating the immune system while there is preliminary evidence that carotenoids may be directly toxic to tumor cells. So you heard it here first. Eat your green (laughs) plants. And um, surely carrots are carotenoids, right? But it doesn't say here that they are. Right. Anyway, look for those carotenoids. Look for those bioflavonoids. And uh, they'll take care of those tumor cells for you. (laughs) This guy's going to hunt us down. He is. This uh, Patrick Quillen. Mm -hmm. We can have him on our show. Definitely. I mean, we're very popular and everyone knows about us. So, I mean, he'll definitely be listening to this. Absolutely. And he'll be like, those bitches. <laughs> I'm going to tell them a thing or two. How dare you, breast cancer patient. <laughs> <laughs> Science. What's that? Okay. Awesome. Great. In closing, any closing remarks? I don't mm. even know. You're awesome. You're awesome. No, really. Actually, Okay. You leveled up when you started talking about driving to your own biopsy, (laughs) bleeding all over an MRI table, then getting your boobs squished, and then going and picking up your children and being responsible for two humans. (laughs) I don't even have pets to escape the responsibility (laughs) of keeping a living thing alive. I don't have a plant. I just have me and a husband who cooks almost every meal that we eat. So... <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't even like 
I don't think I could. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. So there, you win this round, I guess is what I'm saying. There's more surprises later. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's how we should end every episode. Like, who won? Um, so you. Yeah, Lauren oh. won, Jocelyn zero. <laughs> and we'll see how it shakes out at the mm-hmm. next uh, next time. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that this is means. Breast cancer is boring. It is. It very much is. Breast cancer is boring. Mm-hmm. We are interesting. Totally. We're very interesting. Get excited. <laughs> That's it. This has got to stop somewhere. <laughs>